that is a difficult, uh, difficult thing to do because it literally requires dying, which uh, as far as I can tell is not a comfortable process. And this again goes back to the need for both online and offline. When we neglect one or the other, we find ourselves imbalanced and in vulnerable situations. But it's all worth it for those moments that maybe happen every day, every week, every month, where you make a real personal connection with someone online. Hello and welcome back to the What is Church series, where we explore that real simple yet incredibly deep question. If you haven't yet had a chance to check out all the previous interviews, make sure you jump online and do so. There's some amazing stuff there to help guide your thinking and, and help inform you a little bit more as we explore What is Church. Today, I'm really excited about our guest. He's a leading voice in all things digital content, uh, social media, and specifically that of uh, the church engaging in those platforms. He's got a theological degree, and he's also the creator of Pro Church Tools. It's none other than Brady Shearer. Brady, how you doing? Hi, Adrian. Great to be here. Thanks for the intro. So before we kick off, um, you know, why don't you walk us through a little bit about what lockdown is like? Are you still in lockdown? I mean, you're based in Canada. Is, 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 are you still in lockdown? What is it like for you, your family, the company? What's this period like? Yeah, so the phase that we're in is a little bit more lenient. We did a little bit of domestic travel in the last few weeks. So we're based in Ontario, about an hour south of Toronto, right on the Niagara Falls Canadian-American border. And so we flew to the West Coast to do some work, um, hit up Vancouver and such. Uh, restaurants still aren't open, patios just open. So as of right now, uh, early July, that's the phase that we're in currently. Awesome. For those who may not know much about you or Pro Church Tools, could you maybe tell us a little bit about what you do and, and what led you onto this journey? Sure. So I went to school to be a pastor. I have my degree in student ministry and theology. And it was about three years into my studies when I began to uh, take on the role as media director at a new church plant. And so they basically put a camera in my hands. They put a laptop in my hands and they said, you are now in charge of all things digital, web, social, video, photography, branding, graphic design. And one of the things I'll always credit my lead pastor at the time for, still a very close friend, is that he saw something in me that I maybe didn't even see myself because I didn't really have any skills at the time. I had passion, but very little actual uh, competency. And he was like, no, you're gonna figure it out. Here are the resources you need. Now fill in the gaps. And I basically just started running with it. And I started looking, Adrian, around to the peers in my school who were also studying to be worship pastors, planting their own ministries, student ministry. And I started realizing that, you know, once these individuals land in their spots, they're also going to be put in charge of these same verticals within church. And so if I can learn these things and have, I think others can and should as well. So I started this website, ProChurchTools.com, and I basically began teaching everything that I was learning. So I would learn a new skill on social media, 
or I'd experiment with a new video production technique that would work well. And then I would just document it and post a, a blog. I'd publish a YouTube video. We'd release a podcast. And from there, we just began filling a need that maybe hadn't been fulfilled up to that point and people really resonated with it. And then fast forward about a decade now and we've got a few locations around North America, about 20 employees. And the way that we say it is, we're here to help churches navigate the biggest communication shift in 500 years. And what's amazing now is that there are 168 hours in a week. One, let's say on average is dedicated to a Sunday in-person service, pre-pandemic of course. That means there are 167 hours beyond that where we now have the ability to reach people where they are with the hope of Jesus, which is a tremendous privilege and opportunity as long as we uh, don't squander it. And it's actually not as hard as we often make it out to be. And so that's what our company helps with. 90% of what we do is free, uh, just giving away teaching and trying to equip churches and uh, ministry leaders. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I think, I mean, I, I guess in one way, shape or form, somewhere down the line, you've probably explored the question that we're kind of tackling overall, but maybe not directly or, or maybe you have, but to just kind of get into it, I, I have to ask the question, you know, what is church and, and how does that really affect what you do and, and what you guys do for, beyond the, the, the four walls, I guess? Sure. So we, we like to say that virtually every church has the same purpose. Uh, we may frame it in a pithy mission statement, but at the end of the day, it's the Great Commission and the Greatest Commandments. We as churches exist to help people, to lead people to loving God, loving others, and making disciples. And there are so many different avenues for which we can fulfill that mission. And I think sometimes we can get bogged down into narrow views on how we can do that. And a lot of the times we know this when we're serving in church, whether you're a volunteer, whether you're a you know, a parishioner, someone who's attending church or on staff as a ministry leader, we're all wearing multiple hats. And a lot of the times we're not necessarily uh, competent or equipped in ways that we wish we were. And yet it's still our responsibility to fulfill a certain role within the body of Christ. And that can put us in sticky spots because we end up just copying what others are doing. We end up emulating what the trend is just because, well, at least if others are doing this, we feel like maybe there's something there. And sometimes we can lose the heart of why we do things. And that's where we can get stuck in ruts. And that's what we try to help churches uh, break out of. So, so then is, is it the why that makes this church then? Is it, is it the Great Commission? And, and is, is that what, what frames who we are as a church? I believe so. And, you know, I'm a few years removed from ecclesiology now within uh, the Bible college context. We try to keep things pretty simple. And the way I like always getting back to the words of Jesus, because even though Christ didn't speak directly to digital technology and social platforms and so many of the ways that we have to manage ministry in 2020 and beyond, uh, he did provide excellent frameworks for meeting people where they are, uh, going to where the people are and taking the existential matters of the kingdom of God and finding intersections between faith and culture to make these big ideas that, you know, involve eternity and faith, hope and purpose and making them accessible to the average everyday person. And so I think that that's still what we're called to do today here and now and in the future. So then I guess I'm hearing you say that church is therefore going out and reaching people where they're at. And so there's an assumption then based on, on what you do and what you've dedicated yourself to do, that you believe that people are not in our buildings. They're not in, you know, just around us. They're literally on the online space. 
But what is it? What, what, I mean, what about those who'd come back to you and say, yeah, they're there, but we don't want them there. We want them here with us. We want that physical community. You know, you go to Jesus and he's, he's talking, he's walking around with his disciples. He's encouraging others to join them. And there's a physical aspect that is missing from the online. What is your response to something like that? Yeah, certainly. I, I, I should say now very clearly that I believe church requires an online and an offline component. And where we can get where we run into troubles is when we can conflate the two or try to ask one to be in the role of the other. So if I can speak pre-pandemic, I think generally speaking, we were coming from a place of imbalance, meaning the vast majority of our churches were investing the vast majority of our resources into this one hour-ish weekly in-person gathering, which is 100% necessary and we can never neglect. But I think that we were over-indexed there where we were to the point of neglecting the other 167 hours in a week. Now, middle of the pandemic, we are also in a place of imbalance where many of us still cannot or are choosing not to meet in person. And we're having to facilitate virtually everything that we do through church online, which is also not a good place to be in. So my hope is that when we come out of this, we can recognize that, okay, this offline version uh, or elements of church, highly necessary, this online, version of church, highly necessary. They both together create church as a whole. How can we now use each side, each element to the best of their own strengths? Another way you could put this is small groups within a church. Is small groups church? Well, it's a part of church. Is preaching church? Well, it's a part of church. Is worship through music church? Well, it's a part of church. Okay, is like potluck, gathering over a meal, is that church? Well, it's a part of church. Is communicating online the message of Jesus and online uh, community a part of church? It's a part of church. None of these things make up church entirely on their own, but together we get a full tapestry of the Christian experience. And so to close this thought out, for me, I'm always trying to make sure that we're balanced and achieving that fullest tapestry of the Christian faith as much as possible. And we're not overemphasizing one thing because it's in that place of imbalance where we can create in our own churches vulnerabilities, where we can miss things, and where we can uh, neglect our own communities because we're, again, getting stuck with those very narrow focuses. I think that's really interesting. It's, it's the neglecting of our communities because I don't think any church would ever turn around and say, hey, we, we don't want to meet with them. We don't want to welcome them. But we find ourselves um, sometimes stuck in this, in this rut where we're unintentionally uh, neglecting others out there. Now, the thing is, specifically in terms of like online and technology and things like that, there are um, a lot of people and, and some in our church and other churches as well who would turn around and say, you know, it's great. I love it. I love the use of it but I just can't do it. Um, you know, I'm just not skilled for it. It's someone else's calling and, uh, and it just doesn't work for me. What, what are the ways around that? Because, you know, I heard you say earlier, actually, if you can do it, somebody else can. What, what are the things that you would say to somebody who's kind of going, hold on, it's, it's just too far out of my comfort zone. I can't step into that space. Sure, I mean, that's a general mentality that if a person holds towards social, will often hold towards many areas of our lives. I'm 29 right now, so it's very, it's, you know, it's clear that I grew up in high school when Facebook first came out. And so for me, I was learning these skills when I was a young person 
And so it just became part of my own psyche and my generation's culture. And we're, we have to acknowledge that right now, we're in an in-between period where, at least in North America, vast majority of senior leaders are in their upper 50s. And the majority of church parishioners are also in that upper age group, that demographic. And yet, when we look at our communities, and we look at where the like all of the secular world's marketing is focused, it's in Gen Z, it's in millennials, those that are 40 and under. And so as churches, we are in this difficult position that I think we can just straight up acknowledge where we need to serve the people that are already in our churches. We have to have a foot in that camp. And yet we also know that within 10 years, within 20 years, this is going to swing completely where we will no longer be serving the majority of people that don't have a recognition of the digital world because most of us will have already grown up with it at that point. And so it's just this transition period that's very tricky. It's not a problem to solve. It's a tension to manage because there is no solution. Uh, it's this tension that exists that I think first acknowledge. And then second, it becomes just a willingness, right? Like I very, I sincerely hope, um, I believe in the neuroplasticity of my own brain, meaning as I get older, I want to be able to be adaptable enough where I can learn new skills, where I can change my mind. And I think that's something that we especially need to normalize. The ability for us to change our mind and to say, I was wrong about this, or I didn't understand this, I'm ready to change. You know, these are things that are, become more difficult from what I can tell the older that you get. And even from my early 20s to my later 20s, I can see myself becoming entrenched in what's comfortable, in what's familiar. And this is one of like, I think the greatest lies of just the world is that we assume that things that are different from us are bad or dangerous because they're different. They are unfamiliar and things that are unfamiliar are generally uncomfortable and discomfort we do not care for. So then we ascribe those negative feelings to the actual thing or behavior or activity, which isn't fair. And so I think being aware of that uh, and being aware of that trap is essential before we can begin to confront it and hopefully push past it. It's all about creating um, you know, a culture of willingness to try new things, a willingness to experiment. And my hope, hope is that this pandemic that we're all going through, which is serving as an accelerator, accelerating us towards what we were already heading. You know, The trends are just speeding up, um, whether upwards or downwards. My hope is that it can force us to confront some things within our ministries and say, okay, well, what are the vulnerabilities that we've just not cared to address because it's uncomfortable? Just because it's uncomfortable doesn't mean it's bad. How can we face these head on truly? That's awesome. So, so I'm hearing there then, then a bit of a, you know, church is a group of people uh, um, willing to go where others are. So, that, you know, not just welcoming in, not just calling you into my space, but going where you might be, um, but willing to do it in the uncomfort, willing to become uncomfortable. So, so there's, a, there's an element of church people being uncomfortable. Now, that's a hard pill to swallow. Let's be honest. Like, as you said, nobody really likes being uncomfortable. So how do we, how, you know, what, what frames that thinking to say, hold on, well, we, we're called to be uncomfortable. Is there something that you, that you go to to say, you know what, it's all right to step out of the comfort zone and push that bracket other than just potentially a trend? Because again, while many of us love statistics and many of us will follow, well, hold on, this is, this is what, what the world is, is 
doing and so we need to adjust according some will turn around and say i'm just not interested in that um you know is there something else that would be driving us to say hold on it is okay to be uncomfortable uh, for the sake of the kingdom sure yeah i'm not sure if you're like purposely leading me in this direction but it seems (laughs) clearly that the hallmark of the gospel is to take up your cross and to you know die to yourself for the well-being of others and so if we're just talking simply about like what is the core mandate of a believer and thus as an extension the church it's to put down our own interests to put down what maybe we care about our own preferences for the purpose of sharing the hope of jesus the life of christ and you know his entire um ability to bring life to what's dead well that requires us to first put ourselves last you know, and, and so that would be the, the core reasoning behind it. And I think that is a difficult, uh, difficult thing to do because it literally requires dying, which uh, as far as I can tell is not a comfortable process. Absolutely. No, I mean, definitely not one of the things I was leading you to, but, but I think it is one of those things that, you know, often, you know, for us as a church and as, as a group of believers, we tend to go, you know, scripture, let it be, let it be scripture that's guiding me to do whatever decision I make and, and let God by his spirit lead me. And oftentimes we find that we're being led into the uncomfortable situations, but we don't like it. And because we don't like it, we don't do it. Um, or we're happy to say it's too uncomfortable, so I'll let somebody else do it. Um, and so there's, there's almost a fear of saying, well, actually, Brady, you're doing a great job. So I'm going to let you do it. And I'm going to back off and, 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 and just kind of follow from, from a distance where there's a real sense that actually what we're called to do is, is to continually be stepping out, continually be adapting. Um, and there's a, probably a bit, a bit of fear that actually... You know, one of the things I've experienced myself and, and in conversations with other, we, we kind of feel like we finally catch up in terms of what we're doing, let's say, social media wise. You know, we, we've got the Instagrams or the Facebooks or whatever. We finally feel that we've, we've cracked where we're meant to be going. And then suddenly there's a massive change. You know, there's a, there's a TikTok that's introduced and we're like, what's TikTok? I don't know what, you know, and some people watching this will be going, what, other than a clock time, what is, you know, how, 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 um, how versatile do we have to be? to be the church in an online space? Sure, so like I said, we try to, to you know, frame this for churches. We're living through the biggest communication shift in 500 years. And that's in reference, of course, to the printing press that came about 500 years ago. And what was amazing about the printing press is that at the time, it was very difficult for the everyday person to get access to the scriptures. And what the printing press enabled was the everyday human to get access to the Bible. And to this day, the Bible is still the most widely distributed book in the history of humankind, which is amazing because that shows us that last time this huge communication shift came about, we were able to navigate it. And if you look at some of the history that we have, there were so many Christian leaders at the time that were like, we don't think the average person should have access to the Bible, that could lead to some new interpretations and that could be dangerous for the status quo and what is now. And spoiler alert, it did. You know, the whole Protestant Reformation was largely spearheaded by everyone having access to the Bible and saying, wait, this is what it says? That does not align with what I've been hearing at, you know, the uh, local service that I've been attending. As it pertains now, yes, things are always changing. We are living through a pace of 
adjustment that has virtually never been seen before. And every time you feel comfortable with one platform, you feel like you've got some momentum. You feel like we have some community here. A new platform comes up and it's almost always spearheaded by young people as TikTok is right now. And every platform comes with its own set of challenges and own set of opportunities. The one kind of point of relief that we could talk about here is that at the end of the day, we're all just storytelling on every single one of these platforms. Whether you are on stage behind the pulpit, you're sharing the story of Jesus and the good news. And whether you are on TikTok, you're sharing the story of Jesus and the good news. I posted this on Instagram last week and it was like, preach the good news on Sunday, preach the good news on Instagram, preach the good news on Facebook, preach the good news. And I went on and on. Our call doesn't change just the destination perhaps, or the actual platform. And so that's why it's important to be learning the nuances of the platforms, understanding, okay, well, what makes this platform unique? I posted something on TikTok this week and uh, one of my comments was like, yeah, now I guess I have to be an actor because so much of TikTok is a performance, which is very different than Instagram, which is kind of like, you know, maybe teaching, which is what I do. And, and that can work on TikTok, but it's different and it's different from Facebook, which is different from Twitter, which is different from YouTube. And the only way to learn these things is to be a practitioner. So I like to use the fitness analogy. You know, why I haven't been able to go to the gym with this pandemic. So uh, my family and I, my wife is uh, even more into gym and fitness than I am. So we, we built a gym in our garage and everything was on like a 90 day delay because the manufacturers could not build these dumbbells fast enough. So we finally got it. We set it up and it feels so good to be working out again. Before I ever started working out seriously, there was a period of time where I was very interested in following people on Instagram, reading eBooks, and you can read about bench press for as long as you want, but you'll never truly understand and be capable of how to do it until you actually take the bar and start like pushing it and putting some heavy weight on it. And social is the same thing until you begin actually posting, until you begin actually interacting with people and becoming that practitioner, you'll never be able to figure it out um, because things are changing so rapidly. The only way to stay up to date is to be involved. And, and I don't think there really are any social media experts that exist. We are social media practitioners, meaning we are practicing on the platforms. We are getting our reps in and, you know, by the time we feel confident in one area, like you said, something new comes about. And we can, uh, we can lament that that is the current state of affairs when it comes to digital, but you can make excuses or you can actually get to work. And uh, you know, I still feel like we're living through like the most amazing time. I did not choose to be born in the country of Canada. I did not choose to be born in 1991, but I'm so grateful that I was because I have the opportunity to reach people that wouldn't have been possible. If I haven't born 20 years prior, we're not talking, Adrian, you and I. This isn't happening. Absolutely, yeah. So I can lament about, well, things are changing too quickly, or I can focus on all of the positives. And that's not to say that you just deny or turn a blind eye to the things that are tough, but as long as you don't let those be obstacles that negate you from getting involved at all. Amazing. So we're talking, we, we go for it, we go for the sake of the kingdom, and we keep on adapting. Now, interestingly, one of the things that you said about uh, one of the posts you put up was, um, you know, you talk about you preach uh, on a Sunday, you preach on Instagram, you preach on all these others. There are going to be some who are going to 
literally tried to translate um, the, the physical preaching of the gospel into those platforms and say, well, you know what? What we do is we just put out a, a sermon every week or we just put out uh, scripture every week. But, but I know from you know, following you guys that a lot of what you talk about is, is engaging in, in different ways, not just uh, uh, um, the, the biblical content, but there's other ways. Now, what is the, what is, what's the point, I guess, if, if we're called to maybe preach the gospel in that sense? Why do the other stuff online? Um, because some might be thinking, well, hold on a second. Uh, you know, a, a, a picture asking you, you know, pineapple on a pizza, yes or no, is a bit of a waste of time. I personally think pineapple on a pizza is great and I'm going to go for it. But, but what's the point of doing those kind of things? Sure. So getting back to this idea that the Christian life is a rich tapestry of experiences. You, know, you can look at our in-person church programming. And, you know, you have a coffee bar right behind you. I assume that this is in the uh, lobby of your church. And, uh, you know, what does coffee have to do with preaching the gospel? Well, n nothing. And yet it's part of the tapestry of life. And you can stand in the lobby and have a cup of coffee and someone else in your church can have a cup of coffee and you can talk about your life within that context. And part of the rich tapestry of the Christian experience is community and doing life alongside one another, experiencing the best of the best in life and the lowest of the lows and acknowledging and, you know, prophetically speaking with our own actions that Christ is present in the midst of all of those things. And when I look into your eyes and when we do life together, you know, you are being Jesus to me and I am being Jesus to you because you bear the likeness of Christ as do I. And so we try to take that and translate it to the online world. And there are very like practical reasons with the social algorithms, why you need to be creating content that drives engagement in big ways. And, and if all you did in church was only like sing the same song over and over again, or preach the identical scripture over and over again, it's like, well, there's a lot of other things that we could focus on. And, you know, if your church never had any type of like oh, we're going to have a church softball game or we're going to have a picnic. You know, we're going to fire up the grill as the church together. Well, you'd just be neglecting part of that experience that exists beyond the church. And if we believe that the Christian life would inform every aspect of our lives, then why would we neglect it? I mean, that's why like, you know, young people will always be like, why doesn't the church ever talk about sex or relationships? It's like, that's part of life. Doesn't the Bible speak to that? And so, you know, we like to encourage churches to post fun, engaging posts on social, such as, hey, do you like pineapple on your pizza or not? Practically speaking, it's a very low friction question. So every single person feels like they can get involved and respond. It's not like you're asking, hey, what are your thoughts on politics? Or, hey, what are your thoughts on this hot button theological issue? It's like, no, no, let's not do that here. Let's ask what do you think about pineapple on pizza? And look, Adrian and I, we have differing opinions here. Fruit on pizza? Lord, no. Let's skip that. You're missing Whereas out, Adrian's man. You're missing out, very bro. For Seriously. It. <laughs> and so now, like, we've got some, like, pseudo outrage going back and forth, Adrian and I. And now maybe that online conversation that starts on Facebook on Thursday, well, it carries over to Sunday morning as we're sipping coffee before service here. And now what started as something fun and lighthearted and really noncommittal has created an actual bond between two people. And what we've seen time and time again is when you post content like this on social, it carries over online to offline. Again, we need both. And when they work together in tandem, that's when we see such strong momentum in both areas because church is just happening all week and it's never stopping. What happens is 
people that maybe didn't communicate at church before, didn't really know what to talk about. Now I can go up to, you know, Tom on Sunday and be like, really, Tom? Pineapple? What were you thinking? And that can serve as the icebreaker. Whereas like, you know, I'd always saw Tom, maybe we shook hands, we acknowledged each other, but there was nothing beyond that surface level. Well, now we just had one thing to talk about. And maybe that leads to nothing, but maybe I'm more comfortable talking to Tom next time. Maybe that leads to us also talking about sports or talking about things that we have in common or the lack of sports. And suddenly relationship that wasn't there is starting to blossom. And so these connection points are very important. It's the same reason why I imagine, Adrian, you've used humor in one of your messages before. <laughs> Absolutely. Why would you do that? Did that save anyone's soul? No, but it was part of an entire piece of content. And you know that humor plays an important role in building rapport with your audience and getting them to pay attention. And if you can use that, uh, if you can use that thoughtfully, it can lead to attention when you get more serious and when you get more substantive later. And so again, we get stuck when we have these very, very narrow views of what things must be. The more that we can engage, again, the full tapestry of the Christian experience and the full tapestry of emotion and subject matter, the more that we have the ability to reach people and uh, engage them in ways that otherwise we were neglecting. And that's phenomenal. And I, and I think it's, it's that extension of community beyond, but also to, to therefore continue it in, in the physical. I, I loved one of the things that you kind of said, you kind of slipped it in. I'm not even sure if intentionally, but you kind of said, you know, church doesn't ever stop. You know, it keeps on going. Um, and I think that's really interesting because for some, for, for many, I say around the world, church is what I do on Sunday or where I go on Sunday or midweek, may it be. Um, but, but there's got to be a shift of actually church doesn't stop. That, that you know, church being that, that community of people loving Jesus, going out to reach those who don't yet know, doesn't really ever stop. Um, from the moment we wake up to the moment we go out at night, whether we're in the gym, whether we're in the coffee bar or wherever online, it continues. And I think that's, that's an interesting thing that I think maybe a lot of people have missed um, of, of all generations. I mean, I, I'd say we'd probably say that, you know, there are some generations that are focused only on the online of, and have maybe missed other aspects of it as well. Um, and it's an interesting kind of holding it all together situation. What about people who are maybe saying, hey, you know what, I've tried it, um, but I've just really been rubbish at it, you know? Um, and then we look at someone like you who's got it, who, who feels or sounds like it's got it sorted. You know, are there things that you can say to the people who are just making mistakes left, right, and center? Um, what, what can you speak into those to maybe encourage them a bit in, in their journey on this whole figuring out the online space? Certainly. Well, one, none of us know what we're doing ever. I posted on TikTok this week and my post was about how I don't understand TikTok. And guess what? It had 10,000 views in the first like two hours because everyone was like, yes, that is me also. This is nice. difficult. Number two, like no one is born a social media you know, genius. The reason Pro Church Tools started was because I was like stumbling my way through this and feeling like others will find themselves in the same situation. Let's all learn together. And then number three, the learning never stops. So yesterday and this morning, I've used YouTube at least 10 times to search for a specific thing I needed to do in one of the programs that I use on my computer that I just didn't know. That was today. Like before we jumped on this call, I'm searching, okay, DaVinci Resolve, which is a video editing program. How do I export with this so that this does this? And I didn't know that, but then I learned it. This is what's amazing about platforms like YouTube. Like I've said very, uh, in a kind sense, YouTube is my favorite university. Like I went to Bible college, I have my degree, 
But like YouTube is amazing for learning these things. Like it's all about your, your ability and willingness to pick up these skills and to just commit to the journey. Cause there is no destination. Like you said, eventually you'll feel confident in one thing and then you'll have to start all over again. Like I've been video editing now for 10 years and video editing as a skill keeps becoming more and more important in the world across every single industry. I used to edit in one program and then I switched to another and had to learn another one. And then I used that second program for seven years. And then this month I was like, I've heard good things about this other new program. I'm going to switch again. And I started at ground zero learning that platform all over again. And, uh, you know, I've had this conversation with my sister because we like to kind of like just, uh, disqualify ourselves based on age or automatically qualify ourselves based on age. My sister is not uh, well-versed in the world of digital technology. Uh, she is a formally trained cook and chef. And she's like, hey, I want to start like posting some of my recipes online. And I was like, okay, we'll go to TikTok. She's like, I, how am I going to make a TikTok? I was like, get out your phone, take a three-second video of each step, add captions using the TikTok application, and post them. And now she's doing that because she just committed to learning that skill. And it wasn't that hard. Yesterday, Adrian, yesterday I went to YouTube and was like, how to use TikTok app? Because I had never used the actual video editing capabilities within the actual mobile app. I always did it on the video editing tools on my computer that I was comfortable with. And I said, you know what? It's been long enough. I need to learn how to do it on my phone. And yesterday I learned how to do it on my phone. So like for all of those of us that are learning, Joanne, welcome to the club. You're gonna love it here. None of us know anything but it's all worth it for those moments that maybe happen every day, every week, every month, where you make a real personal connection with someone online, where they, in my industry, are struggling with something and I can help them understand and the light bulb goes on, oh, I can do this. In the church world where someone is feeling lonely, where they're feeling like they lack purpose, where they're feeling hopeless, and we come alongside with the hope of Jesus and we're there for them in that moment, practically speaking, and I know I'm on a little bit of a tangent here, one of my favorite ways to use digital in the church sense is to come alongside people that often get overlooked in offline, in-person ministry. You know, there are people like me who are very talkative and comfortable speaking with words. I'm still an introvert, believe it or not. I recharge by myself. Hmm. But when I'm amongst people, I have no problem being the center of attention and I'm comfortable speaking out loud and articulating my thoughts, which means in the general offline church sense, when you think about a circle in a lobby, it's like, there's Brady, and he's like the center of attention. And then there are people like my sister who are just as articulate if they get their time to write everything down, and they're just as brilliant, thoughtful, and they matter just as much as me, but they're not as good speaking off the cuff. Well, if you can communicate them online and care for them pastorally in an online sense, well, maybe they didn't get as much care as they needed in the traditional in-person church experience because it takes them a while to articulate their thoughts. But if you're in a direct message going back and forth, if you're in an email exchange going back and forth, and they can have 30 minutes to fully flesh out their thoughts in an email or in a direct message and send it, well, now they're being cared for. And this, again, goes back to the need for both online and offline. When we neglect one or the other, we find ourselves imbalanced and in vulnerable situations as a corporate structure. But when we compare the two together, not substitute one for the other, because they both serve different purposes, when we can embrace both in that way, that's when we holistically can respond to our communities and congregations.
And that's what it's about at the end of the day. At the end of the day, as a church, you know, as a group of people looking to reach out to those, we want to serve those around us and we've got to find other ways to do it. Brady, you've given us loads to, to think about, to pray about, to, to process, uh, and to really figure out how we journey for not just for us as a church, but also beyond. Um, as we come to an end, would you mind praying for us and anybody else watching uh, right now? Certainly. Yeah, let's do it. Jesus, I am so thankful for the privilege of using these digital tools to reach people that previously would go unreached, previously would go overlooked. I'm so thankful for this moment right now where I am meeting with a body of believers that live in a portion of the globe where I may never physically visit. And yet here we are communing together, one body, even though we are physically distant. And how, how applicable is that to the time that we're living through right now? Lord, may we never be so unwilling to embrace discomfort that we would neglect the opportunities that exist around us just because we're privileged to be born in a certain time and, and have access to tools that never existed. And I imagine the, the apostles and the disciples seeing what we have now at our disposal and thinking, this is amazing. We used to have to walk everywhere. And yet we can still become so comfortable where we are that we're unwilling to embrace those opportunities. So may we be willing to take up our cross in this sense and, and die to our own interests and to our own preferences to embrace what's available to us for the well-being of others so that they can hear your message of hope and purpose and destiny and, and find the identity in you that we all long for. We pray this in your name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for joining me once again, Brady. So there's a great social post right there. Are you an amen type of person or an amen oh, type of person? <laughs> That is that is definitely one, yeah. And, and we get a bit of both here. Get a bit of both, even even within the the UK. And I'm a mixed accent, as you can tell. But that's a whole other story for another time. And thank you as well to you for tuning in and watching this. And we hope and pray it's been a blessing to you as you continue to explore what is church. As always, make sure you give it a like, give it a share. Uh, and we want to hear from you as well. If you've got questions or, or ideas that you want to feed into the conversation, post them in the comments and let us know. Until the next time, though, stay blessed.